Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. So is there a reason why you're, you're, you're talking like a, a phone sex operator? Well, the reason is we're doing Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Which is probably one of the, if not the sexiest song ever recorded and out there. For sure. Uh, yeah, there hasn't been anything like that. It's, it's definitely in the pantheon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Um, Bill had mentioned already we're, we're doing Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, and we have a guest with us. With us today is our good friend Mike V, and we've mentioned him before, actually. If you wanted to pause this and download the Paul McCartney Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time episode, he was the one who called us out on not knowing what a synthesizer was. And so we did the episode in his honor, but now he is with us. And we're featuring a song that really doesn't have any synthesizer on it, so it's a safe space for us not to look uh, ridiculous. And and full disclosure, we still don't know what a synthesizer is. If I've learned anything from uh, Guilt-Free Pleasure, it's, it's that everything is synth. Yeah, thanks for having me here, guys. It's uh, I, I have to admit, um, for yes, and I listen every Sunday um, there was one time I didn't listen to the podcast until the Monday, and it turned the guilt-free pleasure. It added a level of guilt because I felt like I was letting you guys down. But yeah, I mean, I got to admit, uh, at home on my vision board, I got this blue cassette tape with a hot pink background. It, it's been part of my, like, one of my life goals. So here I am. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. We make dreams come true here. Yeah, the Winchester is a dream catcher. Well, I hope I don't, I don't let you down as a guest. I uh, I researched thoroughly when Bill told me us uh, Wicked Games, and so I uh, I started researching the song Wicked Games. And Bill said, "Watch for that black and white video with the the girl doesn't have the shirt." And but this whole time I've been doing Wicked Games, and I just heard Bill say Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. Yeah. Well, yeah. oh, I've been doing Wicked Games by The Weeknd. So that's a different song, and yeah. I, now I kind of feel unprepared yeah. for this uh, podcast. I feel a hit pause here and turn that video on, and maybe dim the lights. Yeah, I think we needed to. At least the lights were always dimmed when I watched this video. We're we're, we're going to talk about the video, I think, at, at length. It might be the only thing we talk about on, on the podcast. But uh, why don't we jump into uh, jump into Chris Isaac a little bit and jump into the song here, eh? Yeah. Or do we want to preamble a little well, more? Can I just say one more thing? Because I have been uh, I've been listening to your podcast from the beginning, mostly just to make sure you know you guys are on the up and up. Because you know I sort of have that. We'll discuss this later. But I've I've got a concern over your lives. But anyway, uh, uh, this was the this song departs from your usual um, sort of synth or or uh, electronic influenced. You know. I don't know if you've done a song like this stripped down, right? Just a guitar, bass, drums, and a voice. Ha- have you guys done one? I don't think so. I don't think. This is uh, this really is stretching us. Well, there is a thread here, though. Yeah, uh, okay. And the thread's this. And I, and I think this is why we talked about, like, because Bill hasn't said, but I, I texted Bill, I said, you know, what about Wicked Game, you know, because that's, that's a great song. You know what the thread is? That's, yeah. a, that's a great seven dance song. Yeah. Like that would have played in our dances. Yeah. Grade yeah. six, yeah. seven, eight. Time, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, man, I watched a lot of girls dance to that song with boys. <laughs> <laughs> I, so you're so like it, me, just on made, the sidelines, just made not it, actually doing it. Well, no, the difference is, is like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty handsome. Like I'm a very handsome guy. There was the whole not getting dances as a as a as a as a preteen was was a was a conundrum. But we anyway, I, the listeners who haven't met me. I have features that are that are uh, defined straight. I'm a very handsome man, so I just I, we got to put that out there now, guys, yeah. just so that they know. It's so great when a mother can give a, a, a man that sort of confidence, <laughs> so that when he's does your mom still tell you that you're handsome? <laughs> so when you're so confused at the dance, like I know I'm handsome, exactly, and I know I don't smell, so why aren't they dancing with me? <laughs> I had that too. Yeah, 
in in your elementary school and high school experience, has anyone slow danced to this song as I, as an adolescent? I know for sure that my first encounter with this song was at a dance. Yeah, and uh, I mostly did not dance with girls, not by choice. There was a few times where I think a girl felt pity for me, and yeah. it came and grabbed my hand. Oh, pity dances! Oh, yeah. <laughs> if so, I didn't have those, I didn't have dances. <laughs> so I I want to imagine that. I did dance to this song because of how it really would have matched that mood because it's such a melancholy song, right? Yeah. Like it, it it really would have like, like, and especially a girl who's pity dancing me, it's like, this is a wicked game you're playing here because look, yeah. I don't want to fall in love. Oh, I'm giving away the lyrics. Sorry about that, guys. No, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain people have already figured out the <laughs> yeah. lyrics, but uh, that's exactly what uh, adolescent dances were for me as well. Just like, it's like, I think I'm in love. Like, this girl, is, she's playing games with me, though, because, well, you know, you're in grade seven and they don't know what love is and neither did I. And yeah, so. My first encounter with this song would have been watching this video. And it would I, I imagine it was a time I was by myself. And when this video came so. on, I would have been a, I, I had a moment of like, am I going to get in trouble? When someone comes down, what what am I seeing? I've never seen anything. What what am I seeing? Yeah, the video, because it didn't come out till what, 92, I think, the, this particular video, right? Was it 91, 92? Yeah, 91, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Because the song came out in 89, but wasn't really popularized until 91. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, But the video is definitely something that as a... Uh, as again, as an adolescent, you did not want to have your parents see you watching. Yeah. I mean, it was a time where there wasn't YouTube, so it's not like I could just bring it up all the time. But that video definitely burned itself into my head. Okay, so we're jumping right into the video before we get into the song, <laughs> so, here, right? So <laughs> let, let, let's, sorry, let's, like, we went there. But, well, uh, let's just jump into it here. Sure. I mean, the video, it, and I want to get into this later, but the video is highly erotic. Yeah, and yeah. when I say that, I don't mean – unfortunately, the term erotic uh, has been stripped down to this crappy – Oh, no. She was stripped down. She was stripped down. But what I'm saying is common use of the term erotic usually just refers to people getting turned on, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And the video itself, though, does – it's erotic not in that sense. It's a, it's erotic in the fuller sense where it really delves into the topic of desire, which is what the song's about. Yeah. And in the interplay they have uh, in that video, but then also her her body. Okay, look, we're talking about the video. So let me talk about, I got to give, I, I got to say like the, like the problem of the video is the male gaze, right? You see Chris Isaac and he doesn't have to ha take his shirt off, you know. Uh, he does though. Yeah, but he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. He can do whatever he wants, yeah. but she's doing a, a striptease and that kind of thing yeah. for him. And, and we should say who she is, because it, it's oh, supermodel yeah. Helena Christensen. I was almost going to argue that there's three main people that made this song. Yeah. There's Chris Isaac. There is James Calvin Wilsey. The guitar player, yeah. And Helena Christensen. Yeah. that That's, for me, those are the... There's the sound, there's there's the voice, and then there's the her. visual. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. Just for the record, because uh, my wife may be listening, that I did not research this aspect of the song. I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> and in case my mother's listening to this song, uh, me too. Same, same for me. I fully researched this part of the <laughs> yeah, of the song right. so. many many times over, catching every nuance of every well, camera angle. <laughs> so you know, I um I reached out to. Our friend Liz, who came up with the category, Is This a Sexy Song? Yeah. And I asked her her thoughts on it. So let me just go back to, I, I have the text messages right now in front of me. And she says, I mean, there is no sexier song. This is oh peak my. sexiness. And she says, will you talk about the video? That was the first thing she yeah. mentioned. <laughs> I, I sent her the video. And she said it takes it to this other level. And she says, okay, I just watched as a refresher. And man, that's so hot. It is so sensual, so much holding and caressing. The way he gazes at her, it's overwhelming. And here's the thing. It probably reflects the stereotypical male fantasy being played out. 
but it also captures a stereotypical female fantasy too. Okay. He's so beautiful and he desires her so obviously. That's what I would think many women long for, to be gazed at that way. It's such a perfect video for that song. I watched a, an interview with, with Chris Isaac, just a, a really brief one where he was talking about the video. And uh, and he's saying, it's like, she is a great actress. And he kept saying that over and over again. Just like, it's like, watch the video. She looks like she actually likes me. And it was a little self-deprecating, obviously, but uh, um, he had nothing but praise for her uh, throughout the video, saying that she was like a fantastic, uh, Helena Christensen, uh, that she was a uh, fantastic actress and just a consummate professional during the entire yeah. shoot. I mean, and it was cold. Yeah. Right? It was super cold. So she was shivering, he said, the whole time. And mm-hmm. well, the embraces were him trying to keep her warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 The uh, the director of the video was Herb Ritz, who is a uh, uh, more of a fashion photographer, right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he was responsible for these iconic pictures of Olivia Newton John for her "Let's Get Physical" um, single. Oh, okay. I, I haven't seen it, but that's yep. that's some uh, trivia. I just wanted to show off. So, uh, so this is um, this was us addressing the uh, the elephant in the room right sure. away. Is Wait, talking now about we can this move video, past it, right? right? But. Uh, um, yeah, the, essentially the, the video is just them frolicking and playing on, on the beach in Hawaii, right? And it, but it, it is beautifully shot. Yeah. If you watch it with the, uh, the interplay with, with the cloud, the rolling clouds and the black and white, it, it is quite a, it is a artistic, like beautiful, uh, video. Yeah. So that site of the video shoot is, uh, it's a volcano. Yeah. And so the clouds are actually volcanic steam. Yeah. And apparently like a week after that video shoot, that whole area was covered in lava. I thought it was the week before it was actually. Oh, I thought, uh, it, you no, know what? This is, this, it, I think it, this it, is it, in keeping with your podcast where we're not exactly yeah. sure the exact details. <laughs> what does Wikipedia tell me? <laughs> well, it, it was made from sand because it was a black black sand beach yeah. and that was from the volcano. But a few weeks later, lo- like hot lava covered it. Oh, like okay, the, okay, yeah. And um, they used both the beach and then they used some blue screen mm-hmm. to get those clouds going so crazy. Yeah. So, so, um, which is brilliant for the video because you, you can't tell oh, yeah. whether it's in front of the blue screen or not, which is pretty incredible for videos of that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is bold because you just invited me here and I said yes and here I am. Uh, but it, I, I'm going to attempt to segue that what we're talking about with the video is that it's a beautiful video, right? So yeah. even though, like I've, I have mentioned the problematic male gaze, uh, which if, you can't avoid in that era. But with the video, it's the aesthetic that matches the lyrics, that matches uh, James Wilsey's melancholy lyrical guitar. Like it just, it does all gel perfectly together. I mean, I I will contend during this podcast that they wouldn't have got Helena Christensen if it weren't becoming the song it was because right. of Wilsey's guitar. Yeah, You take his guitar out, all you have is a three chord song with some pretty crappy poetry, you know. Let's let's not. No, we're gonna dive into the lyrics eventually. This is good, but I think this is a contender for greatest video in of all time in terms of matching the song. Yeah, I I can't think of another video that so perfectly matches the the um. The drama of the song because the song is so cinematic to me and dramatic yeah and that video feels it reminds me of it feels almost like a 1950s thing except yeah except a bit warmer yeah yeah by warmer i mean hotter yeah <laughs> very hot yeah um so let's jump into the song a little bit because the song came out in 89 mm-hmm. but was not popularized until uh what 91 i think it was right yeah so it came out on on on, uh, chris isaac's third album heart-shaped world and it kind of maybe not even a minor hit but then it was featured in the uh in david lynch's uh movie wild at heart an instrumental version an instrumental yeah so it didn't even have chris isaac yeah Yeah. so then a a dj in i think it was atlanta Atlanta. yeah Yeah. picked it up and started playing the song and then from there it spiraled into this this giant uh uh, giant success for him and um i I forget uh, like when when this song became popular there were tons of uh 
elite musicians who are trying to get tickets to his show. Um, I, I remember hearing something like Billy Joel was trying desperately to get a, a ticket to a Chris Isaac show, but couldn't because it was uh, completely sold out. Um, so this this really was what launched his career because, like I said, it was a, the the third album uh, that that he had put out, right? But yeah, and the song isn't what it is without that guitar, that uh, really like spooky, haunting guitar that kicks everything off and uh, and sort of sets the tone for the song. Yeah. But it's not just the intro; it's all throughout the song. Yeah, it, yeah. he he does the lyrical uh, lead guitar overlay that it, it. Now this is kind of going off of um, this is uh, departing from Guilt Free Pleasures territory, but it reminded me so much of Joe Santiago of Pixies, the way you had a solid rhythm section going on, then you have this guitar on top that's making the song what it is. Yeah, and you can't take it away. Yeah. Right, so like with with Pixies, and again, yeah, I apologize. Pixies. Well, there's no the; it's just Pixies. But yeah, I, so the band's the Pixies. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. Well, you'll know from Pixies songs, the Pixies, yes, that you can't take away Joe Santiago's lead lines, which actually just kind of float up top. They don't carry the song, but they make the song. Yeah, and we'll see's guitar all throughout. If you took it out, honestly, it would just be a three chord song with, uh, you know, the, the lyrics are fine, but it, it's not the best poetry you'd ever find out there. You know, it, like the, the rhyme couplings aren't like amazing, you know. Yeah. It, it's no Kanye West is what I'm saying. Yeah. Or it's no The Weeknd. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, the, the story behind uh, writing the song, you, you, we've, we've all heard this, right? Right, like, yeah. Well, the story behind the song is that a, f- a friend of his acquaintance possibly called to say she wanted to have a talk with him uh, about and four in the morning if, if if you're not well you can't see but bill put quotes around talk yeah so it was a euphemism but and she said did you did you get this part where she said she wants to talk with him until he can't stand yeah, up that's right so but the thing is so i read that okay this is clearly this is clearly a hotline bling right mm-hmm. and as drake knows it, it uh it can only mean one thing yeah and so what Chris Isaac does is is when she's on the way over, he immediately says to himself, oh, this is such a bad idea. Basically, he finishes the song before she gets to the house. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he jokes about she was not thrilled that he was more excited about the song he just wrote yeah. than about the talking they were about to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, a, like as somebody who is into music... The song definitely. Wait, are you saying that we're not into music? Well, you don't play music. Like you don't know how to play any instruments yeah, or sing to, or anything. We're on to music. Yeah, but we're into music. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the thing about the song though is that it does smack of a song written in just a few minutes, right? Because there's only there's only three chords in the whole song, <laughs> right? Uh, and the lyrics roll off like that kind of quickly written song, but. Uh, See, I, I'm not saying that to denigrate the song. I'm just saying that it's one of those songs that has an immense amount of simplicity. Yeah. Because he he just banged it off really quick while this woman was driving over to his house uh, to find uh, him more excited over the song than about the uh, context of the song. Yeah. I mean, we could talk a bit about the lyrics of the song. We usually we talk lyrics, but it, there was, I remember reading it when I was this today. I was like, wow, there's not a lot of lyrics here. But it feels like there's snippets that capture the whole emotion of that unrequited love, but also yeah. being in love with someone who's really wrong for you. And then as it, just in terms of personal connection stuff, you know when you've fallen for someone who's wrong for you. Yeah. And it just makes it worse because yeah. you just keep getting deeper into this. I I find that there is a lot going on with the song, even with the lyrics. There's little nuances with it that I find absolutely fascinating. And and I've I've gone through these thought processes. Okay, too, let's right? let's go let's go there before we talk because we're gonna have to get to that guitar line. But yeah. let's talk about these lyrics. Yeah, so it starts off like, you know, the world was on fire um, and no one could save me but you. The world was on fire and no one could save me but you. Strange. 
it goes through that that first verse, right? And then it says, "No, I don't want to fall in love." And then the the backing uh, uh, band has that uh, the world is only going to break your heart. There are certain sites that say this girl is only going to break sh- your heart. Yeah, I was shocked that Song Facts had that. I'm like Song Facts, you're writing this girl? Yeah, there's no way I don't hear girl. No, 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 no neither do I. But it, it's it, it's kind of telling because I, I've played that I've played that out and I've I've uh, I've I've had this similar thought process in my head when you know Chris Isaac hangs up the phone and just like oh what am I doing I'm making a I'm making a mistake here because like I know what I've done but like this is just the wrong move and he's saying like I don't want to fall in love no, Later on, when when the the chorus comes through, it says, "No, I want to fall in love." And the 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 thought process goes through just like this is a mistake. This is a mistake. No, it's not that bad. No, you know what? I'm I want to fall in love. So there's plausibility to Frank's analysis of the lyrics because, because you know, you have to take into account – like I agree with Frank. There comes a point where you can't hear him say don't anymore. Yeah, right. But the thing about him not doing that is that this is a rock song. Like this is a radio rock song. Yeah. And words dropping out happen all the time. Yeah, but it, it's clear in the first chorus that it's don't and then later on it's I want to fall in love. And the thought pro- – and, and again, I've – I've been there, right? I've 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 made mistakes in my past. That's a good argument. You know what? I didn't think of that because I'm looking. I'm scrolling through the lyrics. I'm like, no, Frank. It says no. I don't want to fall in love. But if I listen to the song, there there's something that goes on in a song where they drop words. But when that word gets dropped, and then we as the listeners take the song in, it's a big thing. Well, yeah, it's already conflicted, and this is why I say there's plausibility to Frank's analysis is because. The the desire he's experiencing, that's the whole pretext of the song, right? Yep. The whole pretext is the complicated nature of desire. And then this whole uh, development that Frank's talking about, very plausible. Um, I wouldn't uh, stand by Frank if he was trying to defend this idea in front of other people. I'd probably <laughs> join in the uh, stomp down where everyone says, Frank, you're an idiot. But I will say, like, this theme in the song is is so good that is the theme of desire and the the thing is is that uh you know the the poverty of our society okay i'm getting preachy you have to know i'm a church minister uh that's this is what i do so let me just uh, go onto this uh, uh bunny trail if i can but the poverty of our society is that desire has been so commodified and sexualized that we only are able to talk about this intensity of desire with sexual relationships, right? Like we have no way of talking about the intensity of desire between friends, between uh, even just even emerging friendships, but um, other relationships. Uh, But that doesn't take away from the fact that his delving into the complicated nature of desire, uh, this is a sexual context, but Frank's giving me the wrap it up (laughs) sign. And he just just lit up the light that says wrap it up. (laughs) But the... What I'm trying to get at is, is as human beings, our lives are constituted by desire. And the highest desire we have is for intimacy. He's singing about it, but I love it because he's singing about the desire for intimacy and how complicated it is because it makes you vulnerable. Yeah. Right? And and that's that's why this song's a hit. That's I'm telling you, that's why these lyrics resonate with everybody, mm-hmm. whether they're in love or not. They hear these lyrics, they hear the, the tune, it just, it so captures that complicated nature of desire that we are drawn to it, yet are repelled by it. Because it, it is who we are, but it also it makes us afraid. Well, that's, that's the second line in the song, it's strange what desire will make foolish people do, right? I missed that part of the song. I sorry, I wasn't listening when I was. I, I, but you've listened to the song, right? You know the second the I, second yeah, line of yeah, the song. The problem yeah, is, yeah. is I spent so much time with that weekend song because I was confused. <laughs> 
And there's even, a, even though you were the one that told us we should do this specific song. I forgot. I've got a one week memory. Every time I learn something new, something old falls out. So it's a it's a good call on this the strange what desire will make foolish people do, which yeah. is so much the theme of all these well, well these movies that come on late at night that would, <laughs> would these you know yeah I don't uh, what am I trying to say here? Strange what desire will make foolish people do. I never dream that I'd love somebody like you. I never dream that I'd lose somebody like you. No, I... yeah, like you, you can you can feel his thought process through the through this whole interaction, right? Like this, uh, um, what, like the the hang up of the phone, and you're just like, oh, this is a bad mistake, and then throughout the the process of of her kind of showing up, just like. Uh, maybe it's not as bad as I thought, but like it, it, it goes from like, I don't want to, but I want to, but like this girl is bad news for me. And I'm wondering if the original lyrics had this girl is going to break your heart and yep. change it to world in the studio. That's, that's going to be my, I, I, I think, I think both really, really work. Yeah. Also the last line is one of the greatest, yeah. would it be a double we were, negative with the, like yeah. in terms of ending with song to end, nobody loves no one. Yeah. Nobody loves no one. Well, hold on. Let's just look at that. Yeah, it's Which, right here. Yeah. And we also just said what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I look it up, though. But no, we, I just I want to be absolutely sure because I when we when Frank and I uh, were waiting for Bill, uh, just sitting here twiddling our thumbs, I said, like, what's with that last line? Like, seriously, like, it's just it really is whatever you think about the song. Yeah. Now, you, okay, here's my theory about the last line that the whole song is carrying this it, the, a melancholy thread throughout. I don't think there's a silver lining to this cloud. Like, I think it really is dark and melancholy, which is why at the end, if there's any confusion whatsoever, Chris Isaac's like, hey, uh, listen, if you if you were confused by the message of this song, look, no one loves uh, nobody, nobody loves, loves no one. Yeah. yeah, unless he was actually intentionally using a double negative to suggest that everybody everyone loves everyone. Loves everybody. It is an intentional double negative. You think? And so, yes. Here's my take: the whole thing in the song is that love is destroying him. His desire, right? Strange. What desire will make foolish people do? This is what he means by love. I would say in this song, and in terms of that type of love. Mm-hmm. And so it ends with nobody loves no one. That means we're all going to get our heart broken by the world. That's what, so right above This world it, is only going to break your heart. That's the line right before. And then he ends with nobody loves no one, which is saying you are next. You will also be destroyed oh, you know, in the, the way he was I just am. Quoting. He was so pessimistic. No, he was just quoting Bloodsport. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when he points at, <laughs> yes. he points at Jean-Claude Van Damme and he says, you are next. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that's where he was drawing that from. So well, it came out in around the same time as the song, <laughs> exactly. right? So yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, Chris Isaac was quoting Bloodsport when he was writing this song or thinking of Bloodsport. Chris Isaac has a does have a California sound. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what. Inter- it, it, yeah. I thought he was countryish and Nashville, well, but, but but it is. Well, here's the thing: is that he comes from the con- the uh, the country blues tradition, right? right? Like. Like, and that's what I was saying earlier off tape when it wasn't being recorded that when I really started listening to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting Hank Williams. You know, I'm getting like Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis and all of those rockabilly. Mm-hmm. Like he's part of that pedigree, even though this song, if you just listen to the song, you'd be like, hey, this is by a rockabilly guy. You wouldn't it would strike you as odd. But then. Once you put it in context, you're like, oh yeah, like the like the really wet reverb on the guitar, the vibrato. It's just that uh, Will C in particular is doing really creative stuff with the rockabilly genre, uh, with the country blues genre, I should say. Like it's all the different words for the same sort of movement. Country music meets blues, rhythm and blues, um, and then you, that's what comes out in uh, in uh, Chris Isaac. 
and with sorry, no, keep I was going. just getting the wrap up yeah, no, signal no, from Frank. <laughs> so Frank started just thinking about the video again, and he does really want to cycle back to it. Yeah, like, can we talk about the video again? <laughs> can I? I have to say something about the music. That Tabitha, uh, who some listeners so, know, Tabitha's my wife. wife and co-minister at, at the church we work at. She is not good with popular music, right? Because she was sheltered from it growing up. So she does not, like, it's on, honestly unbelievable sometimes. Or I'm like, how do you not know who this is? She's like, who is it? Here's the remarkable part about this song. She said, what song are you going to talk about at the Winchester? I said, Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. She's like, I don't know that song. And I, and I, you're like, you know, I'm not going to fall in there. She's like, no, sorry. So I played it. I don't even know if the first note had finished. Exactly. And she immediately said, I, oh, I know this. I like this song, right? Yeah. So like for Will C, it honestly was, and Will, the funny thing is, is uh, sure, some of his guitar work's a little complicated, but just that simple two notes, what he's doing is he's actually playing the two notes that Chris Isaac sings. Okay, so I know you guys don't normally get musically well, technical. That, no, that helps. So when he goes, so he's singing uh, the, the B minor, he's singing B, and then he's, anyway, uh, Wilsey is playing those notes, except he's he sort of bends down the first one, then he bends up into the second one, and it creates that really dreamy, yeah. melancholy feel. No, I don't want to fall in love. But then it doesn't end there, though. Like he, like all through the song, like I say, he's like a Joe Santiago, right? He's just like he's over, he's lyrically over top that song, creating that sense of melancholy. Like I don't know if I made this point on record. I think I made it before we were recording. This song took off not because of the lyrics, not because of Chris Isaac's voice, but because of Wilsey. That's why I got into that film. So right? we would make him MVP of exactly. The song. It is that guitar that makes this. I mean, Chris Isaac's voice is incredible, I and mean, we haven't got a chance to talk much about the Roy Orbison, Elvis Presley, Hank no. Williams, all yeah. these things going into it. But this song is all about that opening to me, that opening note. And there's lots going on, but that opening note or two. So I know that I read somewhere where he was all about doing less, like the, his, especially his hardcore fans, just so they love when he does less. And so yeah. he, when he plays a song, it's like his goal is to, is to play as few notes as possible. I think the the opening guitar that's what really hooks you in. But there there's a lot that he does with his voice throughout the song too, right? Like he starts off with that little like that low gravelly uh, uh right. sound, but then he pops up to that falsetto, that that Roy Orbison-esque falsetto. Yeah. And uh especially when he ends the song on that. Yeah, I won't I won't dispute that his singing keeps it interesting. And here's here's the interesting part about the song. There's only three chords and they don't change. From the beginning of the song to the end, except for when he plays those same three chords at the end, he plays them really slow. But throughout the entire song, it's the same three chords over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. But because of uh, Chris Isaac's moving up and down octaves and jumping up falsetto, coming back down again, and then Wilsey throwing his lyrical magic in there you don't really realize you're just listening to the same three chords over and over right. again it's not like louis louis by the time that song's done you're like oh man i've just been listening to the same three chords just f for the record wicked game is not like louis louis right even though they both have the same amount of chords yeah so this is working with the small amount of material yes you can make it great so uh, yeah. sometimes it's uh like short stories in class, we'd say you only have, you have to write about these three things. You can only do this. And that's where the creativity thrives is in these confined spaces. Strange world desire will make foolish people do. 
the bass player was Roland Sally. And Roland Sally wrote, I, I now I'm going out there, but he wrote a song called Killing the Blues, okay. which is such a good song. Wait a second, on Alison Krauss? Alison and- Krauss, oh, Raising Stance. He wrote that song. Dude, I play that yeah. song. Yeah, I we'll love play that right song. play right now. They lead that album with that song because it's so good. So this song has that amazing guitar. It's got that amazing voice. Chris Isaac's voice is so it's interesting really and unique, right? right? You you have is it Elvis? Is it Roy Orbison? What what am I hearing? And it's unlike anything else going on then. Mm-hmm. And the bass, when you listen to the bass, and it's like, oh, that's moving. That's that's really you know good. Just doing in there, right? Yeah. And so then you realize he wrote "Killing the Blues." This guy is. He's got pedigree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go. It's time to go pop culture and categories. Do you think, Frank? Or do we do we have any more to say? Do we? Is there any more we could say about the music? It was really, actually, hugely influential in the in the immediate uh, musical world. Um, James Hetfield from Metallica heard yeah. this song, and he went to his managers like, "I want to be able to sing like that." So he went and uh, got vocal lessons. And after, like after, like taking some vocal lessons and everything, they wrote uh, "Nothing Else Matters," so which is Metallica's first, like, really kind of ballady type song. So, like, Chris Isaac is directly responsible for Metallica's uh, "Nothing Else Matters." Wow, that's huge. Yeah, I know, right? Like, you they they exist in the same universe. You know, it's funny, though, I was just reflecting on like, so I, I sort of ran off into some uh, musical stuff that was probably boring. And it was funny because, <laughs> yeah, so so Bill is engaged, but Frank, his eyes are glazed over. He's out, right? Like he's almost falling asleep. And then I, all of a sudden I got this weird feeling. I'm like, this is like Sunday morning when I'm preaching. <laughs> like I look up at Frank. He's gone. He's just his eyes are, his eyes are glazed over. Hmm. I guess. Let's call a spade a spade, right? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I thought you were going to call out the sermons. Maybe, maybe if you preached a little more on Chris Isaac, Mike, you'd yeah. have my attention. <laughs> maybe a Carly Rae Jepsen episode? You see, the thing is, is, I work that stuff in, and then I get criticized that I'm working popular culture in, and I'm a sellout. So <laughs> it's a lose-lose. Uh, all right, we didn't talk about our favorite part of the song. Do Okay, Mike, your favorite part is... Oh man, um, it, it's it's it has to be the first for the first the note. first second. It's just absolutely beautiful, and and the reason why it's it's not just the aesthetic of it. It's the fact that Wilsey captures the mood of the song in a single second. It's it's amazing. Good call, Frank. Favorite part of the song at the end. When he says I. Yeah, I that yeah. sustained I. The sustained I, I, I at the end and just sort of brings that brings that home. Let's go to I'm really excited for this. Mixtape and song universe. Do you have anything for mixtape and song universe? I have something for both. Oh, you do? Okay. So do I. Well, Frank, why don't you lead the way? So song universe. So are we talking atmosphere or are we talking uh, topic? You get to talk about whatever you okay. want to talk. I'm, I'm going to talk about both because I have something for both. So in terms of like feel and atmosphere, I will say Mazzy Stars fade into you. And... Yeah. Basically, all of Portishead's dummy. Oh, good call. All right. So, I got some here. Shaw Days, No Ordinary Love. Well, yeah. Oh, the feel yeah. Feel yeah. of, oh, love, yeah. lust, love. Uh, so, yeah, that one. Nights in White Satin, 
Okay. By the uh, Moody Blues. And then I also had the Twin Peaks theme because it just yeah. had that feel with that, that that note just kind of moving through it. That that would be in my, like, the texture. Yeah, the texture atmosphere, yeah. I also thought Crimson Clover just right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. sure. Because my bent is toward history and so forth, you know, I just, I I fix it firmly in the universe of, like, going way back, Carter family, you know, like I said earlier, Gary oh, okay. Lewis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elvis. Like, I, I could see, like, Elvis would kill this song if he hadn't um, killed himself. So, I don't know, that's, <laughs> but he would have totally, Elvis seriously would have killed this song. This is the crazy thing. Elvis could have because, did Elvis die at 40? Something like that's, that. Yeah. At 77. So, he would only be, like, 52. He would have maybe have been in the Traveling Wilburys. Oh, while yeah. While this is going on. Elvis could have done this. Oh, yeah. my God. Elvis is like the Ric Flair of rock and roll. He could have been. <laughs> he could have been. It's so tragic. Yeah. How about let's go to mixtape? Well, uh, same sort of theme. Sure. Whatever so, you want. So the the theme on this is because uh, it's like basically a girl that you know is bad news for you, but you still. Yeah. I like this theme. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I've lived this theme. Oh, who hasn't? Yeah. Uh, bad Medicine, Bon Jovi. Oh wow! I I don't know. I how how would you put them? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't go from bad medicine. Her into love this. is like bad medicine. Bad, bad medicine, medicine is, is what I need. Whoa. Okay, so I no no I know thematically, but I'm just saying like, would you do a? Would you like? Would you speak between the songs like? Like, would you do that kind of mixtape? You've, you... you've made a mixtape before, Absolutely. Right? It, but... doesn't, it doesn't always have the exact same feel. No, no, of course. But I'm just saying, are you, are you going to, after Bon Jovi, are you going to, like, say some words into no. the mixtape? Because no. that is one style. If a mixtape just runs on a theme, does it hold up? Or does it, is it better to, because your language before was, like, texture and sound. Yeah. Is that a better mixtape than, hey, it's the same idea. It's like, well, well if, this is a death if, metal if, song. If, it, so, <laughs> well, the, well, because my next song was Dangerous by Roxette. That is good. All right, I got one for you. How about this is uh, within the theme of being way out to like, yeah. so, um, okay, the song is My Heart Can't Tell You No by Rod Stewart. Do you remember that song? <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. When the one you love's in love with someone else. Yes. Oh, it's so... <laughs> Uh, unfortunate yeah. if you're a Rod Stewart fan oh, of yeah. the 70s be like what are you doing no 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 he's still my heart can't tell you no yeah. my heart can't tell you no yeah that's a it's a tough one I got nothing because um, hearing about this category and everything it's all new to me because I ordinarily don't finish the podcast I said I'm an <laughs> avid listener but I usually just turn it off after about 15 minutes so D- sorry does, about that does touche mean that you've been stabbed and are bleeding out I think that's I what, think, so. Yeah. If that's the case, touche <laughs> might be touche. What a wicked thing to do to let me dream of you. What a wicked thing to say. You never felt this way. So I have another one, and okay. and it works on two levels. Um, but it's 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 the opposite. It's it's not a bad girl. It's a bad guy. Okay, let's but it also hear it. has game in the in the title. Foolish games, jewel. Oh, nice. She has more than one song. Oh my goodness, she has <laughs> a like, number of albums. Like, I saw her in concert. It was I fantastic. believe that's called a touche. Frank's <laughs> bleeding out right now. I got another one then for games. Backstreet Boys, quit playing games with my heart. Oh, good call. Yes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. This is such a common theme in music, but only oh, yeah. Chris Isaac nails the collective dread we feel, yeah. not knowing that the world will destroy you. This is the only song that, t- to me, when Taylor Swift says, I knew you'd be trouble, like, ah, it's a great song. But when Chris Isaac sings, like, oh, well, I know this. There's behind it, right? Yeah. Like, his is the least adolescent song about longing, desire, and love in, in terms... Unrequited love, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think it's because he wrote it in his 30s. I believe he's in his 30s when he, wrote it. when he wrote yeah. it. Yeah, so, you know, you have this, like, all that adolescent garbage is gone, and all you're left with is, like you say, this this 
brutally honest take on desire. It's it's complicated. The way it makes us vulnerable, the dread, right? Because no, everyone dreads being vulnerable, but it's a part of being human. Should, would, could Michael Bolton sing this song? He could? He probably shouldn't. I think there's a subtlety about the way the vocals work yeah. that uh, he can't. Could Celine Dion sing this song? Ooh. You ready for this? It's not could, did. Yes, she, oh, she did. did. Yeah, she did oh, come no. with Chris come Isaac, song. Spotify single. Wow. Oh, and she did not go full Celine. Oh, really? It actually kind of works. Oh, wow. It's actually pretty good. So there have been about 7 billion uh, covers of this song that have been recorded and released. Of those 7 billion, which are your favorites? Okay, let's go to favorites and also which ones do we not want to ever hear again? So I'm going to duck out of this because I started playing a cover. I got like... I got, I think, three seconds in, and I just shut it down. Yeah. Because it was too disappointing, and the original's too good. So I didn't even want to desecrate that. And, and and that's the thing, because this is on such a such a high pedestal that you don't necessarily want to... Uh, um, it's like, ah, covers. And I, and I have a couple artists that I like that have covered this. And I'm just like, ah, it's okay, but it's not great. But my favorite cover is by Gemma Hayes, who is a yeah. uh, Irish singer. I got this. I got this right in front of me, Gemma Hayes. There, yeah. yeah. There's a um, version by James Vincent McMorrow that I think they okay. used for like a Game of Thrones episode okay. teaser trailer. Eh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And there's a version by a band called Boy and Bear that was actually pretty good. Yeah. Okay. And I've, I think I've seen them live a few times. Okay. Now, there's a bunch I'm not thrilled with. There's a band called Him, who is a, like a thrash metal, maybe? Or, or I don't know. It's like new metal. New right? metal. Yeah. And you. Yeah. Right. That they did it. I just can't get behind no. it. I would like to save my hatred. For Il Devo's version of Wicked Game. No. And just to make it worse, they sing in another language, which I, there is like, Il Devo, listen, you sing fine, but you make me so angry. Yeah. I just want to, it makes me, just hearing it, I was getting angry. And so Ash and I were driving up to um, Pam's birthday party yesterday. So my mother-in-law's birthday. She said, put some music on. Bone they start playing it, but then Il Devo came on next. I'm like, this is the worst. Look, I'm more disappointed in you for listening to that than I am for the amount of research you put into the video. Like, that that really is disappointing. Why aren't you disappointed that I put any research into the video? I have to go to, I have to go to all the places. I go everywhere I need to. What's that sound? That's the wind outside. It's accusing me of, it's like, but you went to Il Devo. You sold your soul. <laughs> yeah. The sound outside? The world's on fire, dum-dums. 
And no one can save me but you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so, I thought so. She's going to save him. No one can save me but you, and you were the worst thing for me. Yeah. Welcome to this song. Because she's the one that's lighting the world on fire. Oh, this the lyrics set you up for, like, Sorry. you're done. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. I don't know, man. Rick's I think not I, the no, I I think this is definitely we're 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 heading into uh, postmodern hermeneutics here, where it doesn't even matter what he meant when he wrote it. It's going to be profound by the way we read it, you know. Well, you know, true enough, and that is what we're all about here at Guilty Pleasures: yeah. profundity. Exactly. Is that the word? <laughs> I have no idea. Profundity is the word. I try to work it into as many sentences as I can. All right. We know it's not a Hallmark movie. We know it's a blue movie. Yeah. We don't need to really say too much more or <laughs> no. define it. Hi, mom. <laughs> Next well, is we, it's already been a blue movie because of the video. Jeez. Could, could this be sung at karaoke? Yes, because Frank did. I did. <laughs> and it wasn't the worst uh performance of my entire life at karaoke. I think I've had like seven performances and uh four of them were really bad and uh this might be one of the three that were just only marginally bad. No. So yeah, we we jumped into the song. We we got uh, we got deep. We got deep into this song. We we talked a lot about the, the the music. We talked a lot about the lyrics. We talked. I don't know if we talked enough about the video for my liking, but uh, we we did talk <laughs> about it quite a bit. But uh, um, can yeah. I thank you guys for having me here for my for my final episode <laughs> of uh, Go? Free. Well, the great thing about only doing one episode is it's your best and your worst. Yeah, right? so. that's right. And uh, just want to remind anybody out there, if you're feeling, you know, a bit off today, just remember, nobody loves no one. Uh, so previously, uh, in our seal episode of uh, uh, Kiss by a Rose, I said that Helena Christensen um, was married to uh, the lead singer of the Cars, um, um, Rick Akasek. That was incorrect. It was actually uh, Paul, uh, Paulina Porz- Porzing. You got this. You got I, this. No, okay. It's a. Worst Paulina, apology ever. Paulina Poriskorov. Poriskorova? It's worse. That's what it is. Anyways, that is a correction that I'm making um, 18 weeks late.